Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to preach to you for a little while about the undecided. The undecided. We have to make a decision in order to move our life forward on anything we do because what you think produces action. Amen? And sometimes people are inactive because they haven't made a choice. And we can talk about that all we want to, but really... There's a very big truth to that. And in some of the presidential race that's going on right now, they they put out polls and they put out numbers and they do surveys. And I was really blown away by some of the states that they put out numbers on. They said that there's this many people that are voting this way and this many people that are voting this way. And there was this huge category. I believe it was the state of Iowa. I'm just paging through some magazines on the the travel this week. And there was like 80% of people that were undecided. How many people how many people is that that are just undecided about what's going on and I realize that we're politically overrun right now and I, and I'm not going to preach about politics but I want you to know this that you can be undecided about your walk with God and still be trying to walk with God. You can have undecided things in your life that you need to address with Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to hopefully address a few of those things, including some some ways that we think that's poor. I've seen people roll in the floor and worship God and speak in tongues and do everything that they do, and then on Monday and Tuesday make some of the worst decisions of their life because they never changed the way they thought. They were busy changing behavior, and it's good to worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't knock what they did on Sunday. What the problem was, they never changed the way they thought. So it's important that we get a decision in our mind, we learn how to make good decisions, and we learn how to weed out poor thinking. And I really think it's key that we look at Revelations 3 and 20 and understand that God is a gentleman. Everyone say a gentleman. And he stands at the door and knocks. This is what the scripture says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. In the days of antiquity, you did not have supper with people you didn't like. (laughs) You didn't invite somebody into your house to sit down and eat with you if you didn't like them or you didn't want them there. And Jesus says that if you open the door to me, I will be so real to you and so personal to you that you will want me at your table and you'll want the blessings that I give you. So let's pray today about this message and ask God to move in our hearts and maybe strengthen us through the word. In Jesus' name, by the power of the word of God, I ask you to move Jesus in this house and touch us and do the work that only you can do. God, your peace is real, Lord Jesus, and your power is present, Lord God, and your healing has already begun in us, and we've already prayed many prayers that transition our our pain and our hurt and our struggle and our sacrifice over to you. So we ask you to continue this word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's my prayer that you would be encouraged to decide some things today that maybe you haven't decided before. And hopefully by the end of today, any indecision that you have to do the right thing over the easy thing would be pushed aside. I want 
to encourage you to do the right thing because that's where the word righteousness comes from. It's a desire on the inside to always do what's right in the sight of God, whether people are looking or no one's looking. The true definition of integrity is whether you are what you say you are when, you, when people are watching or when no one's watching. And so the, the, the real thing in our culture today is, is the ability to get away with things. We were shopping, my daughter and I, yesterday, and we, we had bought some things, and we, I didn't realize that they had given me an entire pair of shoes for free. They didn't realize they did it. They didn't set off the sensors when we went out the doors, but it wasn't on the receipt. And so we went back in, and the store manager was blown away that we didn't, didn't just walk. He was like, he goes, I just want to say thank you that you came back and you brought them back because most people would have thought, hey, bonus, free pair of shoes. Their mistake, we get them for free. But instead, we walked back in and we were trying to make right what was wrong. And the reason why I did that was because the young lady that checked us out, she saw my chaplain's badge she's, and she's asking and she said, you have a beautiful daughter. And I said, I know she loves the Lord with all her heart. She does everything she can be to be a proper example of a young lady. She's like, I can see See that she and she goes what what do you do and I said well I'm a minister she goes I could tell and had I not walked back in and taken care of that she would have found out about it and it would have tainted what she thought about a man of God it would have changed her decision-making process on what somebody is that walks with God but when we walked back in her manager took care of everything and he said who checked you out and I said well this fine young lady did it she said oh, I'm so sorry but she realized that we came back to to make it right. I want to speak to you in very clear ways today. It's my prayer that gives us courage and that, that we would have the faith today to say no matter what our choices are, I'm dedicated to do what's right in the sight of God and not in the sight of man. I'm dedicated to do what Jesus is pleased by. And so I want to share with you a story about a professor because there are things in our life that have to come first. Everyone say first. It is um, a story that's already been told many times. It's of a psychology professor as he was opening up his particular uh, spring course. He brought in a big pickle jar and he put it in front. Maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't. But a professor stood before his philosophy class, and, and this was um, philosophy, not psychology, but he stood before his philosophy class and some um, with some items in front of him. And when the class began, he... he he, word, he worded this, a few questions to them and he picked up this big pickle jar and he set it on top of the counter it was, and he asked them, is the jar empty or is the jar full? And of course everyone said the jar is empty. And then he took a bunch of golf balls and he put them all inside the jar, just like this picture shows here. And when the class began to proceed, he filled the jar with golf balls and then he asked his class, is the jar full? And of course they all looked and said, what you would say, of course, yes, it's full. And then he took out some smaller pebbles and he began to pour the smaller pebbles over top of the golf balls and began to shake the jar of pickles and the pebbles worked their way down in the open gaps and spaces between the golf balls and filled up the jar to the point that there was now pebbles and golf balls in what was once thought to be a full jar and the professor asks again is the jar full and of course the class said 
Well, yes. Now, of course, it's full. The gaps are filled in. Great job, Professor. You proved your point. And then he took out a bucket of sand. Then he began to dump sand over the pebbles and over the golf balls and began to fill in the gaps between the rest of the area with the sand. And then, of course, the class was like, okay, how many times can he do this? Is, this is going to be impossible for him to do it anymore. It's obviously filled with a small item like sand so he asked them is the jar full and they said resoundingly yes and then he decided to get out something that I happen to love very much and that was a jug of chocolate milk amen somebody and so he got out a jug of chocolate milk from under the table and he began to pour it over top of the sand and it began to fill in the remaining cracks that were left between all of the different spaces of things that he had already put in the jar. And when he got done with it, he asked, is the jar full? And they said, yes. And they were expecting him to say, no, it's not full. But actually what he said is, you're right, it is full. So the lesson he was wanting to teach them is this. That if you put the small things in first into your life, your life being like a pickle jar, you will never be able to put in the bigger, more important things into your life. If you don't allow yourself to find the priorities of your life and decide what are the big things that I need to put into my life first, because those are the things that matter most. You need to spend time finding out what are my big decisions, what are the things that I must do first in my life? What are my passions? So the golf ball equals your family, your children, your health, your friends and favorite passions in life. They are, they are the things that are most important, which very much better include your God, your church, your love for the things of God, your Bible reading, your prayer, and your talking and communication with him. All those are the golf balls in your life. It's your family, your children, your health, your friends, the big important things everyone say the important things if you don't get those in first you will never fit them in and guess what we all have 24 hours amen we all have the same amount of time in every day but then the smaller pebbles are the things that are less important but still very important they represent the job that we have the home that we that we live in the car that we drive the school that we go to the things that we do that enhance our life those pebbles are the smaller things what we spend our energy on maybe it's the the small stuff like cleaning the home or keeping things put together or paying attention to critical aspects of different parts of our life but those are not the big things it's more important that the house maybe doesn't get cleaned or the lawn doesn't get mowed this morning but we're actually at the house of God worshiping God with all of our heart our mind and our strength the smaller things are yes important but not as important as the larger things someone said amen so if you put sand in the jar first, the sand represents some other things. The sand represents everything else that's in your life, the small things that really don't matter too much where they fit in. It may be the things that you decide to do with a friend that could be eliminated from your life. It may be the things that you do on your social media, which some of us need to examine how much time we spend on social media because social media is the sand of 
of our life. It's good to be connected to family, amen? It's good to stay close to those things that are going on. But when it gets in the way of our God, our family, our life, you need to put down Facebook and spend some face time with Jesus, amen? You need to get in his book and seek out the things that can change your life and not just the things you see changing in other people's lives on social media. Hello, somebody. Did I hit that enough? You need to spend time with your children. Spend time with your parents. Visit your grandparents. Take a spouse to dinner. Play another 18, um, play another song that encourages your spirit in Jesus Christ. There will always be, and I don't know if you do this, but do you sit in your car when you pull up in the drive because there's a good song you're worshiping to in the car and stay in the car while people are inside the house going, why are they sitting in the car? And you're just having a moment with Jesus. Anybody else been there? Because that's what I do. I'll sit in the car sometimes for 30 minutes finishing up a sermon that I'm watching. And my wife's like, are you sitting in the car? Because she knows I said an hour ago that I was coming home, but I'm not home yet. And she knows where I'm at. I'm sitting in the car, listening to music, worshiping God, or pre listening to preaching. Because I try to put the big things in first. But what's really important also is that you understand is your happiness comes to, comes to you by you paying attention to the big things in life and getting those in first. You have to make a decision. I was flying back with somebody on um, the campaign trail, a young college guy, and he was talking to my boss about what it is to be on the campaign trail. He's a political science major, and he's really in, in, in the busy time of, of giving himself to a campaign. He was here in Milwaukee uh, campaigning for Kasich. Uh, is that how you say his name? I don't even know the guy. Kasich um, over the weekend and he was doing everything he could and he said something really valuable that I wanted to bring to the pulpit today about how Jesus is waiting for us to decide to let him into our life. He stands at the door and knocks and he, and he gives us the opportunity to make a decision whether he's going to be welcome either in some parts of our life or in all parts of our life and he wants all of us, amen? He gave himself for all of us, and he wants all of us. So I, I was kind of in, in earshot of the conversation as he was talking with my boss, who was, and they were both fortunately very loud individuals. So they were sharing all this stuff, talking on the plane, and you could see some people squirming because they don't like political conversations. You know, they were getting a little uneasy because they were talking about people that they don't want to vote for, and and. This young guy was so passionate about what he was doing and his future and how he was going after, you know, a, a career in politics. And he was sharing what it's like to be involved. In, and my boss said, well, what, what do you do? Because I know you guys call people on a regular basis and ask them questions about the campaign and, and the people that they're voting for. He said, well, you, I don't know if you understand this or not, but when we call somebody's house and we do all those call campaigns, we're not looking for who they're voting for. We're looking for the people that are undecided who they're voting for. And when we find those people, we mark them down and then we send in the foot team. We send in the people that go to door to door and knock on the doors and say, hey, we know that you're just trying to figure out who to vote for. We want to tell you about this person and why they would be a good candidate for the presidency.
And they go to specific people who are undecided on what they want to do with their, with their decision to vote. And he, I, while he was saying this, I'm preaching because the Bible talks about choose you this day who you will serve. Amen. And it talks about making a decision to give our life to God wholeheartedly. And when we do that, it's easy for us to say, no, I've already been put in my vote. I already know who I serve. I already know what my life is supposed to be like. I know who I'm walking with, and that's Jesus Christ. I am not an undecided individual in my life and walk with God. But the enemy would sometimes call to you and sometimes ask you questions and put things in your life to see if you truly are a have made a decision to follow God, if you truly are what you say you are. And in those moments, there are times when if there's any indecision that shows up in our life, then he sends in the foot traffic, then he sends in something else that can come in and change the way we think about something. So it's very important because the Bible tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Scripture literally saying that a person who's half in the world with one foot and half in the church with the other is unstable in every decision that they make because they're not choosing to take all their wisdom from God, but they're choosing to take some wisdom of man and intermingle it with the wisdom of God. And it does not work for us to take carnal knowledge and apply it to spiritual aspects. We are built as spiritual people. We are a spirit with a body. And the reason why we must take spiritual things and apply them to our life concepts is because they are the only way that they work. That's the only way that they work in our life is if we put the spiritual first. I've made a decision like Joshua said. I've chosen this day to follow after God and I've made it my choice and that decision is based on knowledge and on faith amen? amen on knowledge and faith those are the two things we have to make a decision so given those two things one must ask themselves some very core questions in their life what do you do with God do you believe in God do you believe there is a God sitting on the plane, riding back with a guy and sitting next to me. As we touched down, he looked at me and he smiled. We made it. And he said, Allah, Allah, Akbar to me. And I knew that that was his God. That was his decision, who he chose to serve. But as for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. And I know that he has his religion, and I would not knock what he is and what he's decided to be. But there are false religions, brothers and sisters. There is truth, and his name is Jesus. And I choose the truth of who he is. So you have to decide what you're going to do with God. And then if you decide that there is no God, or there's no God to serve, or, or you choose a man-made religion as this gentleman had chosen, I, I wonder if you understand that you have to somehow deal with with the guilt aspect of the human soul. What do you do with guilt? Because we all have it, amen? If you decide to do anything, you're going to have guilt feelings. If you decide to, to change something in your life and you know that it's going to take work on your behalf, there's going to be some guilt show up when you don't measure up. If you want to lose weight, 
I'll just start there because that's where I'm at right now. If you want to lose weight in your life, then you decide that you're going to eat healthy and you're going to exercise. When you fall off and you don't eat well that day or you miss a meal of eating healthy or you decide that you just don't have the time to make it to the gym and do the workout that you've set and decided to do, guess what? You're going to start to feel guilty because anytime you try to stretch yourself and you don't measure up to that, what you where you want to go, where you've decided, I'm going to make that my goal and I'm going to go there, go there. That goal, when you don't make it to it, will cause you to feel guilty at times because you know that you didn't do maybe all that you could have done or your best to reach that goal. Guilt is a human emotion and it will show up. So how do you deal with with guilt? The atheist might say that they don't believe in God, but the Bible says that they actually suppress this knowledge. Paul writes in Romans 1 and 8 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men by whom by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In other words, that we have a a tendency to feel guilt and need a place to go and handle that guilt. And if you have no God, you will repress things of truth because you don't have a place to take anything to. You have no place to go when there's tragedy in your life. You have no place to go when there's struggle in your life. The Greek word for suppress here actually means to hold back, to detain, or to refrain. I was speaking to somebody not long ago, and I began to share with them the truth of the Bible. They began to share with them some of the Word of God, and they literally put a strong arm up and said, no, that's not what I believe. My opinion and my belief is this. And they literally stood on their own opinion and their own belief over the Word of God right in front of them. And the reason why is because they've made their opinion their God, and they have no place to go because there is nothing greater than themselves. And so the atheist says there is no God, suppresses truth. So it is as an intentional act of suppressing what they know to be true. But, but what does the atheist do with their guilt and with their shame when they feel it? What do they do? Where, another big question you have to answer when you're choosing God is where did the universe come from? These are all big questions that need large amounts of time to discover and to talk through and to look into the Word of God. I read about astrophysicists who said that we're anywhere between 10 and 15 billion years ago. The universe exploded into being, but it didn't exist before the explosion. I mean, how many have heard of the Big Bang Theory? Then what was it that exploded if there was nothing that exploded into something. What was it that exploded if there was nothing at all? Can something that does not exist begin to exist if it didn't exist at the time and then did? And how can that be so? How is it possible for something that didn't exist to begin to exist that didn't exist before it started to exist? It doesn't make any sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? It really is it's difficult for somebody to take something like that and, and really base their life upon it because eventually you just say, I don't know how it happens, but a whole lot of matter got compressed really hard and then spun and blew up. But where did the matter come from? Where did it all start? Somewhere it started and God started it, amen? I believe that God had a big bang. He said, in the beginning, God created and bang, it happened. That's what I believe. 
And so God knows how to do things, but human minds try to rationalize and reason things away. Psalms 91 and, or 19 and 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. I believe that there is eternal power and a divine nature of God. I believe that he's been clearly seen in nature. I believe that he has stood out in the things that he has created, and we understand him, that we are being made by him, and that he has made all things to worship him and to live him up and to give him glory and so I decide and I have chosen to not be an undecided individual but decide in my life that I am going to serve the Lord. If it's worship I'm created to do then I am going to do what I'm created to do and that is worship God and I will not make excuses for those that choose not to. They've made a decision and then there's those that say I don't know. Can't be decided can't figure it out not enough knowledge not enough understanding to know and they choose not to choose and that is a decision as well and they're like well can you prove there is a God and I'm like well can you <laughs> I play politician at the moment let me answer that question with a question <laughs> can you prove there is a God of course the answer is no you can't prove that there's a God. The atheist cannot prove it. Technically, it doesn't exist. The abilities to do so, because you can't observe, you can't scientifically theorize that you can observe it, test it, reproduce it. None of that happens because it's a matter of faith. But it takes just as much faith. Actually, I would think it takes more faith to believe in the theories of relativity and uh, the theories of evolution, sorry, and the theories of the Big Bang concept than it takes to believe that God Almighty created matter from energy when he spoke it into being and that energy was designed in such a way that it could be perfectly put in place and allow us to have a living environment where we could serve God and choose him and I choose him every day how about you it's not a day it's not just a, a one-time event it's a daily thing I choose him and therefore I have to live my life for him so three things real quick you have to start some things in order to be decisive about God and indecisiveness is so easy to take root in your heart. You have to literally push it out. You have to make a decision to do some things. So you have to start some things. Number two, you have to stop some things. Because just by starting some things, it requires you to stop others. And then you have to stay. You have to start, you have to stop, and then you have to stay at it. Those are three things I want to discuss with you for just a minute. I have in my life decided to take several things out of my life along my lifestyle, different things in my lifestyle, different things that I needed to take out. And I decided that I was going to start exercising more this year. Um, that was something that I started to do. I don't get up every morning wanting to exercise. How about you? I don't get up in the morning and go, woohoo, time to hit the treadmill. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I think I'm going to go back to bed. What disciplines do you need to change and fulfill to fulfill your dreams in your life what things do you need to start right now so that your story meets the goals that you are can be excited about tomorrow what what do you need to change right now so that you can look back tomorrow and say look at what i was able to do with the help of god what relationship would you like to change right now 
begin and start right now to change that relationship, to start investing in that relationship and find a way to change it. What change would you like to make in your health, your spirituality, in your physical body? Those things don't just happen. You have to make a choice to change them. What about fasting? I began not too long ago, about four years ago, to fast the first part of every year. How many do that on a regular basis? You fast the first part of every year. That is something that has increased my spirituality, has increased my ability to do the things that God has called me to do, is every year I check in with God to find out what He wants me doing with my life this year, because I don't want to miss it, amen? So I spend time fasting the first part of the year. To be, um, I've decided to be more in my children's life. How many have made that choice before? I want to be more in my children's life. I've decided to, to, to push forward in spiritual advances in my life. I've decided to memorize more scripture where I can just stand here and just unload the word of God and let it do its work and just talk about the beauties of the things of God and and, and be able to use those things as a sword, the scripture says, and be powerful in that. And another thing that I've decided to do is not just let that biblical knowledge train me, but let it transform me. Those are things that I started doing that I decided I'm going to do, not just behavioral modifications, it's literally letting God transform my spirit and my heart. And maybe you could find yourself at some things that you need to start. So there's some disciplines that maybe you can initialize in this service today that will start making you realize that, hey, I have to not do other things because I've already started doing these things. In other words, your decisions actually weed out your indecisions. I don't know if this is resonating with you today, but somebody needs to hear this, that you cannot make your physical body stronger if you don't make a decision to do it when it's not fun, when it doesn't, when it doesn't seem like it's working, whenever you don't feel good, whenever you don't feel like doing it. All of those things are physical aspects of working through a goal. Amen? And if you don't suffer through that, it will be an unsustainable thing to you. You cannot do anything without some suffering, amen? It's going to take sore muscles. It's going to take hitting the gym. It's going to take doing some things that seem like they get bored and ridiculous and maybe even redundant. But those are the things that you must do as a decision. And when you do those things, guess what? You may not hit the drive through anymore. You may not go back to the things you used to eat and the things that used to be toxins that you didn't realize that you were putting in your body on a regular basis because your decision costs you so much that you don't want to pick up the things that would damage the decision you've already made. And so I'm asking you today, have you made a decision for Jesus Christ so thoroughly and so completely and realize the great damage that he took on the cross for us and the great thing that he paid for us to have the opportunity to just maybe, just maybe choose him. If it wasn't anybody else, he died for me. If it wasn't anybody else, he gave his life for me. And in doing so, I want to choose him and I want to stop choosing things that take him back to the cross and crucify him afresh because he chose me and therefore I choose him. And those decisions put me in the body of Christ and take me out of the world. Amen? It makes me decide I don't want what the world offers. Give me Jesus. Take everything. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. 
Daniel prayed three times a day. Why did God look so favorably upon Daniel? Why did he why is he ever etched in the word of God as a man of integrity? Why did 120 not find fault in him? Because he was a man that decided one day, I'm going to pray three times a day no matter what it costs me. I've decided. And when they changed the laws and the laws were no longer favorable, he still opened the windows and prayed to his God. Do you have a relationship like that? That when all men curse you and all men revile you and all men hate you for his name's sake, that you would still keep your decisions to serve God even when it's not popular. So you have to be able to say yes and no and mean it. The scripture says in James 5 and 12, but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. You fall into condemnation. In other words, when you say yes, mean it. When you say no, mean it. Be decisive. If you're going to do anything, do it with all your heart. Ernest Hemingway said, never travel with someone you do not love. <laughs> if you go on a trip, don't go with people you don't like. If someone asks you to do something, don't say yes just to get them off your back and then never do it. Confucius says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. These are people that were supposedly great thinkers. Jesus says, whatever your hands find to do, the word of God, says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Do it with everything in you. Do it as unto the Lord, the scripture says, so that whenever you're working for your boss, you're really not working for your boss. You're working for Jesus Christ. When you're doing something, you're not really doing it for yourself or anybody else or your wife or your kids. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Amen? So you know that whenever you give yourself wholeheartedly to something, you have to be able to say, yes, I'm going to do it and mean it and go and do it. Don't use it as a way to say yes and then get out of it. But yes means yes and no means no. And you have to know how to say no. Some people don't know how to say no. Hello, somebody. Those people that are overrun with too much stuff, their schedules are way too packed. They have good hearts, but they're always letting people down because they have said yes too many times to too many things. And you just are not an unlimited resource, brothers and sisters. You have to know when to say no. And I have some questions that can tell us things we should say no to. In order to give all of yourself to something, you have to stop giving yourself to other things. In the light of that particular statement, what do you need to stop doing right now? Think about your life, what you do and what you're good at. What are you doing right now that you need to stop doing? Not just talking about sinful things. I'm talking about things or things that can lead to sin or whatever that would be. But things that are you're doing right now, but you may not be doing them with all your heart because you're just doing them to do them. Because it's acceptable. I'll give you a few things you need to stop doing. How about this? Can I hand you a few things to stop doing? Is that okay? Stop being a slave to social media. Stop trying to control everything and everybody and maybe even driving them away because you're trying to control them. Learn how to say no. 
Amen? It's really important that you learn how to say no. And if you don't, I have a pen for you. I will give this to you. This pen, if you don't know how to say no, will help you to say no. No. And so when someone walks in your office and they're trying to ask you to do something or someone asks you in your life on the phone, hey, would you be willing to pick me up or go do this or go do that? And you know you simply do not have the time. All you have to do is pick up this pen and go. No. Yeah, that's all you have to do. No. 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 I'm not going to do it. No. Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with no. No is a complete sentence, brothers and sisters. You do not have to explain the word no. No, period, means... I said no. Yes, absolutely. No means no. And you need to learn where to say no. But you also need to learn, obviously, where to say yes. We've already covered that. You need to start some things, but you also need to stop some things. Stop being... This is probably going to be a long... Stop being critical and judgmental of everybody. When your brain starts to judge somebody, tell yourself... No! That's the way you can do it, is you literally have to stop yourself from thinking poorly and thinking in ways of judgmental. You can pick things apart. You can pick this sermon apart. You can pick this, this service apart. You can pick apart how the musicians did. You can pick apart how the singers did. But you know what? You will never get anything from a critical spirit because you cannot receive when you're being a critic. Judgment cannot receive justice or things back from God. So while you're busy being a judge, you cannot receive anything merciful from God. So stop judging people. Stop with the pickiness and start asking God to help you to enjoy things for what they are and as good as they can be. And be thankful that you have two ears to hear the music as good as it is and, and two eyes to see the beauty as much as it is beautiful. And just tell yourself no and whenever you start being critical amen stop eating junk food it's not your sole responsibility to keep hostess from going bankrupt tell yourself um, uh, yeah, no. no don't eat all those twinkies don't make it your priority to make sure mcdonald's keeps the fries hot and fresh because you need them, stop eating junk food. Here's another one you're not going to be happy with me about. Stop overspending. Just tell yourself. No! I don't know why that was a female one, but maybe it has to do with shopping. I don't know. Something like that. Just tell yourself. No! I don't really need it. If you have troubles with filling the cart full of too many things and overspending, then you need to ask yourself, what of these things do I really need? What are these things do I really have to have? If tomorrow or the next day I put on the same shoes I had and I don't wear these brand new shoes, I'm looking at would I be okay with that? Would that be all right? Is there really a necessity here? And guess what? Most of the time, nine times out of ten, you will tell yourself no. Nine times out of ten. So how about this? Stop overspending. And then stop watching questionable movies. 
Stop watching things that fill your mind with swear words and things that do not bring wholesomeness to your life. The reason why we don't feel spirituality sometimes and we don't feel God's presence sometimes is because we put too much stuff in our life that's worldly. Hello, somebody. And we come to church and expect to see God move. And we come to church and expect to feel God's presence in a very real and deep and passionate way. But we've been watching things and we've been listening to things that fill us full of worldly humor and we laugh at their humor and we laugh at their jokes and we laugh at them mocking authority and yet we spend our time thinking that God's just going to show up and bless what we have been spending time looking at that's a curse to him and I come to tell somebody tell yourself no and take the stuff out of your house and don't rent it, don't watch it don't put it through your eye gates or your ear gates because you are a spiritual being and you need to feel God's presence every time we come here. Every time we're in the house of God. We cannot patty cake for God anymore. We don't have enough time left. We don't have enough days left in the day is short and it's growing dark and we must work while it is yet day, the scripture says. So tell yourself no. no. Some of you need this. You know you need this. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 in the NIV says it like this. I hope you have it in the NIV. I can look it up if not, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Just throw it up there if you don't because I don't have it in my, I don't have, I'll turn to it. I'll read it, I guess. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us throw it off. Let's stop doing it. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus because it changes who we are, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You're going to have to learn how to say no to yourself and to others. There are times when I feel bad about saying no. But I know it's best for me, spiritually, if I say no. There are times when people have asked me to do things, and I know it's best for my family and my children for me to say no, and I've done it. You have to make a decision. I know people that are saved right now because I said no to some other things. It's really important that you make that decision in your mind. So stop stinking thinking. <laughs> Get a checkup from the head up. From the neck up, have you ever heard that one? Stop stinking thinking. All of these things are different places that we can think poorly, and I'm going to finish with this. Just learn how to say no. I, I grew up in a church where we worshiped God with all of our hearts and minds. But some of the things I'm about to say are thinking processes that never changed in my life. And because they never changed, I never improved. I'd go to church, I'd lay all my life on the altar. He'd cover me in his blood. I'd get forgiveness of sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I knew what repentance was. I'd cry on the altar. I'd, I, I'd soak the altar with tears. I'd give to God everything I had to give till my pockets were empty. I gave all of, all of myself to God. I'd, I'd empty out things. I'd give cars away. I did all that stuff. 
but I didn't know what was broken was the way that I thought and who I was. And I wasn't able to give all of myself because of the processes that I was thinking. So here's some of the things that you have to work on if you think this way. Number one, stop placing all the blame on other people for how you interact, for how they interact with you. This is not going to be easy. I Trust me, these are not, these are from my heart things that I have had to deal with. Stop being lazy and being constantly busy because being constantly busy can be a form of laziness. You just don't want to address some things. So you say, I'm just busy. Stop seeking out distractions because a distraction is always easily to find, easy to find. Try this. Go home tomorrow morning. Get up and start your prayer life. If you do this on a regular basis, you know it already happens. But if you're not praying, get up in the morning and pray and watch how many distractions try to drift into your mind as you start to pray. Stop seeking out distractions. Number four, stop trying to get away with work that's good enough. That's good enough. That's good enough. Because people know it, people see it, and they know that you haven't put the time in. Stop allowing yourself to be comfortable all the time. Stop seeking comfort and start seeking the struggle because the struggle is where you grow. <clears throat> stop expecting people to be better than they were in high school. <laughs> Some people just don't grow up, Sister Carla. And I'm not talking about you. You're still having fun like a kid. She's like a, she's like a grown kid. She just loves it. But there are some people that simply will not mature in life, learn how to deal with those people instead of just being angry at them. Just because you're out of high school doesn't mean that you're out of high school. <laughs> there will be people in your life who want what you have and are threatened by who you are and will ridicule, ridicule you for doing something that threatens how they see themselves. Those are people that I'm talking about. Stop being stingy. Give of yourself to something. Stop blaming yourself for being human. There's grace for that. We all make mistakes. Stop ignoring the fact that other people have unique perspectives and positions. Don't get mad just because someone disagrees with you. Try to understand where they're coming from, and in doing so, you open up a grace in them where they're willing to listen to where you come from, and you might actually show them the truth of God's word just because you were willing to listen to them first. Don't elbow your husband right now or your wife. Amen? Stop blaming. I already got that one. Stop seeking approval so hard. Stop seeking approval. You were approved by Jesus Christ when he died for you. Amen? Hello, somebody. You don't need approval. Stop considering the same things you've always done as the only options there are. You can change. God can build you. God can take you to another level. Stop rejecting the potential to feel pain. Pain is the only way we grow. Unfortunately, it's, it's, the, it's the constant that's in our life. And if you shelter yourself from pain, you shelter yourself from understanding the opposite of pain. I'm obviously 
uh, as a pastor, I have to see a counselor on a regular basis because I have to lift the load of people's lives. And my counselor told me that I tend to push away things that are painful to me. And he's helping me to understand how to live through a painful process and walk through that valley of the shadow of death with Jesus Christ and not close off to it. And so I'm making decisions to embrace pain in a relationship instead of sheltering myself from it because I had a trigger of abuse that I'm dealing with. And quite honestly, you have to understand that the people that could hurt you the most are the people that you love the most. And whenever you have something that hurts you, you need to realize that you care about that thing. And you need to pray about that thing. And you need to thank God for that thing. Because if I ever lost my wife, even though sometimes she drives me crazy, I, and sometimes it hurts to be in a relationship and, and do the struggle of a marriage and all of those different dynamics of a relationship and, and maybe the things that are disagreements and the times whenever she seems to hurt me the most. You know what? If she was taken out of my life and no longer in my life, I would give my left arm for her to hurt me once again because love comes with pain and love comes with suffering and love comes with hurt. And Jesus was the perfect example of that because he loved us so much that he went through the greatest struggle and the greatest pain to purchase us back. If, hef if heaven is real, he wanted us there. But I know that hell is real as well because Jesus wouldn't have died such a gruesome death to save us from a party. Jesus wouldn't have been beaten beyond recognition to keep us out of a place that everybody says doesn't exist anymore. There is a heaven to be won and there is a hell to be shunned. Amen? And we must make a decision. So I ask you today, what is your decision? Have you chosen this day who you will serve? Have you decided to start some things Will you decide to stop some things and just say no? no? Absolutely not. I'm not doing it. And then the last thing is you have to stay the course. When it seems so much easier to walk away, you have to stay in there. This, and a, this last part that I'm talking about can apply to so many things. And maybe it's just real practical today and, and, and it's just real boots on the ground type of teaching, but this can fit into whether you're going to college. This can fit into whether you're trying to raise a child that's difficult and strong-willed. I watched, I watched a mom stand 30 feet from a child that just stood there and screamed with her hands out and wouldn't walk to her because she's so strong-willed. And the psychologist looked out the window as I was putting the camera on the wall and the psychologist said, that little girl, if she could ever be channeled in the right directions will take all of that strong will and become something amazing. She literally stood and screamed for 20 minutes at different moments. Obviously, you can't scream for 20 minutes straight, but she wouldn't move 
She wanted her mom to come back. And mom was great. Mom held out. She was like, come on, let's go over here. And she never gave in. And finally, the little girl walked her way. What was she doing? She was breaking her will and so doing. She's trying to direct that strong will. Maybe for you, it's staying the course of raising a strong-willed child. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe it is going to college. Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe you've decided it's too big of a hill to climb and I'm just not going to get there. And maybe you need to take it to God because God may say, yeah, maybe it's time for a break. Or maybe God would say, hey, there's someone that's going to be sitting in a college class that needs to hear the gospel and your testimony could reach them and save their soul and they could go down in a watery grave and be filled with God's spirit all because you never gave up on your courses. You don't know what your mission field is unless you make everything in your life a mission field. The problem for some people is church. They won't stay in church because there's too many hypocrites in church. I got hurt there. I, they said stuff about me and it hurt my feelings and so I'm going to have to leave. Got to go, can't stay, got to quit, got to split. All of that kind of stuff, all that kind of thinking and the truth of the matter is if you go anywhere else, you're not perfect either. And if you try to go find a perfect church, don't join it, they say, because you will mess it up. <laughs> because we're not perfect people. Or God could be giving you the opportunity to forgive them and to grow. They hurt me. But the question is, will you forgive but I'm going to see in my situation when someone hurts me, I look at God as not being someone who meets me at church, but God who's in me, and I'm the church. So by going and doing what God tells me to do, I forgive, and it gives me a high point in my life where I don't just say, hey, I go to church, but I get to be the church, and I get to change people's life, and problems are resolved whenever I become the church. And some of our problems will have a hard time staying with God. Some of you will have a hard time dealing with the situation that happens in your life. And, and you may have a spirit that rises up in you and says, if this is what life is all about, if, if this really happens, then God, if you can let this kind of thing happen, then forget you. I don't want anything to do with you. And people have walked away so many times. And there are many stories just like that. People all over the world walked away from God and say, I just can't believe in you, God. God, I can't believe you would let this happen. Or you could choose to stay and believe in God like Abraham did. God counted it unto him for righteousness because of his faith. Time goes on, as you know, and we begin to realize over time, if we do stay, that the enemy of our soul can mean something for evil, but God can use it for good. And as you look back over your life and the things you went through, you find out that those lessons learned in the hard times are the most beautiful lessons you've ever learned. What about marriage? It's too hard. It's too difficult. Some of you have been married for a little while now and you know what it's like to have to stay the course. Don't nudge anybody. Don't elbow anybody. You know what it's like to have to put up with things you don't necessarily appreciate about your spouse. 
And some people go down the road and write their story as well. He's not meeting my needs anymore. Might as well cash it in. Or she's not as nice as that girl at work who always makes me laugh and is happy. And my, my wife is always so down and so boring. And I think I'll just move along. And some people choose to do that because of our country's no-fault divorce. They just demolish a relationship because they're just not happy. And maybe you could say, well, pastor, you don't know what my relationship was. Well, they cheated on me or he cheated or she cheated. And so I have rightful grounds according to the word of God to leave them because adultery is grounds for divorce. And you're right. It is true. The Bible does say when someone's when someone's um, has infidelity in their relationship, that you are right in doing that, that you are right in moving on and, and severing that relationship or maybe you can understand that even though you have adultery as grounds for divorce you can understand that adultery is also grounds for forgiveness amen that you can repair a relationship and build a relationship again and maybe nobody here needs to hear this but there's somebody listening online that needs to hear that you need to stay and I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship don't get me wrong I'm telling you if you're in an abusive relationship you need to separate yourself and get well and they need to hopefully get well themselves and then come back together and work out a relationship because what God makes one we must not unone amen what God puts together we must not separate and so whenever you made a decision between God and all those you stood before and you said I do God made you one flesh and we must not tear that apart no matter what the struggle is so if you can somehow find it in your heart to say I'm sorry your story can forever change if you will forgive them and maybe your story's hard maybe you just have difficulties so much that you know that till death do you part so you begin to pray for God to kill one or the other <laughs> oh, amen somebody when you manage to Marry somebody that you love. There's always going to be a point of struggle because we're human and we're fleshly. And you will get to the point where your relationship feels like it's just going through the motions and you're going to have to invest. And if you've decided what your life is going to be guided by, you will either live by your feelings or by the fulfilled word of God. And we must not separate what he put together. Amen. Now, I'm not knocking any decisions that have made previously that you've gone through and you've made a choice. I believe there's blood and there's grace, amen, for mistakes. But I do believe we need to stay. And so maybe your story could be, hey, we separated for a time. We got healthy. We came back together. We sought out counseling. We got together and we made church a priority and we got into a life group and let people start speaking into our lives uh, good things and helping us. And over time, God began to change us and eventually we we, we, just, we made the decision we were just going to stay and, and we didn't give up and we kept on working at it. And now maybe looking back, you can tell a story that we've been together for 27 years and God has given us something that we never thought possible. But don't don't think that there wasn't struggle, that we had to decide to stay. And we did. Sometimes you have to just side, decide to stay. When you had everything going right, it was easy, amen? 
but when things are not going easy, you still have to choose to do what's right. Would you stand with me? I hope I haven't belabored the point. And I also want to deal with this quickly. When you are faithful and when you do the same things that are right all the time, it can begin to feel boring because it's the same routines on a regular basis. And some people begin to feel like failures because they have the same boring job. And they, dare I say, they have the same boring kids and they have, <laughs> and they have the same boring schedules and they get up at the same time and they get home at the same time and they, and they have the meal the same time and they sit across from the same person and all this sameness. Sometimes you have to realize that our greatest acts of faith is our faithfulness. And if I could teach you anything today out of the word of God, I would tell you this, that Jesus is faithful to us when we open the door to him. And he will always be a gentleman and just knock when we push him out. Stay where you're planted. Be faithful even when it's boring. Hit the books again. Go back and do it over if you mess it up. Ask for forgiveness, but don't walk away. Ask somebody for forgiveness. Forgive others. Do what Jesus did for you. And then maybe when you come to the house of God, maybe it's not you praying that you give yourself away anymore. But maybe as we come, I could ask the musicians to come. We're going to play this song one more time. And we're going to sing one more time that I give myself away. Tanya, would you come real quick? And maybe you have a situation that you've been undecided on. Maybe you've been like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I haven't made a decision because I really don't know how to make the best decision. Or maybe you've been away from God for a long time. And, or maybe you've grown cold. I'm reaching for your heart right now. And this is the most serious moment we could have. If you felt yourself drifting in any way, if you felt yourself falling away in any way, I want you to know your decision to live for God was the best decision you ever made. And you don't need to revisit that decision. You need to keep that choice. And if you're undecided today about what's good and what God would do with you and what God wants to do with you, I would ask you this. Maybe you can bring yourself, your situation. Maybe you can bring even that hurt or that person that said something or the things that were done to you. Or maybe you can bring that strong-willed child or maybe you can bring that difficult marriage or maybe you can even bring that thing that fell apart. Maybe you can bring it to God. And offload the guilt and offload the shame and offload the hurt one more time. Because no matter how many times it comes up, you need to take it to Jesus. When the disciples of John heard that he had been beheaded, they went and buried him and they went and told Jesus. The best thing to do with your hurts and pains is just go tell Jesus. 
It's a woman that was in a friend's of mine, a friend of mine's church. And he preached a message much like this one about choosing Jesus Christ in your life. Every day when you put your feet on the floor, you have to choose Jesus again and again and again. And as he preached a message of forgiveness and repentance, he came to a very serious altar call where we're at right now. He said, you can forever leave it behind. You can make a choice today to surrender it all to Jesus Christ. He began to pray for people and people came to the altar. They flooded to the altar. And they began to spend time as we all, I hope, will do in just a minute. I know what time it is and I know how long I've been, but this is a very serious moment. And he said, he walked over here to pray for a young lady and she was weeping uncontrollably. And she said, well, God, forgive me. And of course, as a pastor, he said, yes, of course, God will forgive you. She said, but you don't understand. I was young. I was 18 years old. I, I was in a relationship. I didn't know what to do. I got pregnant and, and I boarded my baby. And from every waking moment and every day since, I have the weight and the crushing pain of guilt and regret. And she's like, well, God, forgive me for taking that life. And he said, of course, God will forgive you. You just need to choose to let God forgive you. She said, but I don't know if he will. I don't know if he can. I don't, I don't really know for sure if God is able. And really what she was saying is, I don't know for sure if I can forgive myself for what I have done. And he prayed for her and she wept and she cried some more. But that was her one visit to the church that day. And that was her last visit to the church. Because you see, she could not forgive herself for what she had done. And all of us carry different things in our life, but the greatest weight you'll carry is something you don't forgive yourself for. And so today, would you decide to lay it down at the cross? Would you decide to lay down everything that didn't go right? everything that you might have chosen or you have done that is not the best and you know it for you. And so today, would you bring the lights down, Seth? I, I don't want to pressure you because you're not choosing this because of anything that I am or, or as a pastor here. I, I'm making this available to you as a child of God. If you can't think of anything or any reason to be feeling a weight of urgency right now, I would ask you to pray for somebody who doesn't know how to choose God, that are indecided right now because they're busy, hung up in things that keep them away from God. But maybe, just maybe it's you. I'm not asking you to pick one thing or pick 20 things or 
I'm asking you to start right now and ask God, would you forgive me? Would you help me? And in starting, I'll stop. And in stopping, I'll stay.